0: Live. live on
1: Live, live On set.
0: set. And welcome to episode four of Live On Set. My name is Austin Lee. I am the host of Live On Set. If you're a fan of film, music, sports, television, then live on set is the podcast for you. Joining me on set today is my friend Jason. And we are going to talk movies. Jason, how's it going?
2: Hey, it's going good. You know, for a little bit there, I was uh, nervous if I was going to be one of those people you met along the way, but I'm happy <laughs> to be, I'm happy to be a friend.
0: There you go. <laughs> and Thank you for listening to the episodes that are out so far and definitely talking about it and let me know that you liked it. And then that line there is the best opening line is the best answer to a question I've gotten so far. Oh, perfect. so this perfect. is great. Me up. You're already in the wind column there. So thank you for the kind words uh, right off the bat. So known each other for about two years now, have a couple of shared interests. One is our day job, but the other is film and and movies. And there's so many things back and forth that we've talked about over the years. So when I got this podcast up and going, you were definitely high on the list of people I wanted to reach out to be, uh, on set with me. So when it comes to movies and we'll start here kind of in generalities and we'll, we'll work our way, uh, down the road here is when it comes to a, um, do you have a favorite director? Do you have a favorite movie? Do you, does your rankings of your top five or 10 movies, does it change or do you have one that's unanimous? So,
2: well, yeah, first I want to say, uh, you know, thanks for having me. It's been, it's been a rough year and we have not talked movies as much as I would like. Right. And it, it's been, honestly, it's been very sad, but <laughs> you know, we're getting through Um, for, I mean, favorite movie and I get so much flack for this and I will own it. I'll own sure. it. But, Nine out of 10 times when I say my favorite movie, I get, you gotta be kidding me. Okay. And luckily, and this is where our friendship started, I told you, and you were the one that said, I'm in. Okay. And that's that's La La Land. Okay. I absolutely love everything about that movie. Yes. uh, Damien Chazelle is a fantastic director. He's one of my tops. That if he's coming out with a movie, I'm probably in opening night. Right. Because that brings it back to like Whiplash being very very high for me of course Um, and on top of that as well i mean we'll talk about it more later but nolan Mm -hmm. everything nolan i'm pretty much in and tarantino those got to be top three directors for me
0: great no i'm i definitely remember you talking to me about la la land and that was a movie that when i saw it yes i did go by myself was i the youngest person in the audience by Mm -hmm. 30 40 years that's a yes as well
2: i i and i saw it next to two older women there you and, go. You know, when that opening scene on the highway broke out, I said, What am I in for? <laughs> I
0: I will say that I had very similar thoughts when that movie started. Not because I knew what I was getting myself into when I saw it. It was, I think, a Saturday or a Sunday, and I went at noon thinking, okay, it might be a small theater, I'll get past that. Yeah. But if it's just me, I am not run at anyone that I know. I didn't run into anyone that I know, but the first couple of minutes, that opening number, I said, Did I just waste my money? Yeah but let's see what happens. And luckily I stayed because that movie opening number aside, it's a movie I've watched a couple of times since then, but start to finish that movie is fantastic. And if you look at the, and I will talk Damien here for a second, all of the movies she has been a part of in some way, shape or form have been different. And I feel like he is someone who really that opening number of whiplash that opening film for him yeah which was so close and, and dear to his like story kind of like on the come up is a great opening film that some people you can argue i mean tarantini mentioned his first movie being reservoir dogs is great things like Fantastic. that and Fantastic. but with damien every movie's been different so you take whiplash you take la la land you take um, first man first man and yeah. then I, he's gonna he's got a tv show babylon coming out here in a little bit and he's Ooh. got a really good cast with that with i think it's brad pitt and and emma stone maybe right. I'm in. somewhere around there i forget yeah. but he also wrote the screenplay and helped a lot helped a lot with 10 cloverfield lane which was also um, a solid film as well Fantastic. small cast yeah. gotta be a cheap set i mean nothing going on there right. um <laughs> and john goodman's always great but for Damien, when I saw Whiplash, I remember seeing that. I saw it in a very small theater with a good friend of mine, uh, Hank, who was on episode two um, when we talked Whiplash and uh, had a radio show with him in college and very similar to you. He was very into to film and the history of film and f- pays very close a- attention to the trends and what's going on. Yeah, we'll, we'll always swipe the card and go see someone that there, there could be some heat on and, and checking stuff out. And I know that you definitely... Um, love going to the movies as well which is another reason why i wanted to have you on but
2: well and and to add to that like that's yeah. part of why this year has been so sad is last year i'm coming off of 2019 being the movie where i've seen the most movies that came out that year right where i saw i I saw 120 movies that came out in 2019 there you go and with with the amc and regal stuff going on where three of a course. week oh i was double featuring of course i was and that- in and now i haven't gone in seven months
0: at that point when you can take like I had movie pass for a little bit and I'm a regal guy we've talked about that and I know you you with AMC that's your go-to as well and a lot of it is do I have time to go yes is there something I want to see yes Mm -hmm. but for me and I talk about this in, in episode zero and I think you kind of feel the same way just on our conversations offset but you definitely like just getting away from the craziness and going to a movie and you get that by going to a movie theater, which is great.
2: And, and I think that's part of the problem. I like, I get what they're doing with digital releases right now. Mm -hmm. And I like that in some aspect, but for me, it's not the same. Like, and, and I can't watch, I haven't seen many new movies. I'm rewatching a lot of the old one, which is fine because I already know it like um, watching Inception the other day and stuff like that. I already, I've seen that plenty of times to so where if I look at my phone and get distracted, it's not, I'm not losing new information. Where if right. I were to watch a new movie and, you know, the light shines in the room differently, I'm out. Right. And, and to go to a theater where it's pitch black, I, I turn off my phone completely. Like mm-hmm. I'm just in. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's not the same for
0: me at home. The cool thing is that that's very my similar situation as well where the last movie i saw in a theater was late february before we talk about chris nolan here in a second but before last saturday the first movie the last movie i saw in a theater was invisible man That's not a been, bad one to end which was um it was definitely an experience i'll say that but that was towards the end of february i don't think it was march yeah but for me it's definitely something where i didn't even attempt to try to get used to watching movies from home because for me the worst day of my life barring anything with um like family things like that will be where i can't go to a movie theater anymore i agree and so i watched this past weekend i watched for both movies for the first time snowpiercer and margin call
2: okay i have not seen different movies margin
0: call um really good cast uh jc chandor who did a most violent year and what's the movie with robert redford i was just talking about with my dad all is lost okay Mm, so like he did those movies and he also did triple frontier on netflix i think um we've talked about that before solid cast there and then he also did or he was a part of another movie it'll come back to me but (laughs) margin call was his first movie very low budget really really good cast and um his script for margin call was uh, might have won blacklist it was on blacklist and that really kind of set him for that that margin call and the success of that film definitely led to his what his career has unfolded to be which is great yeah um but before um one last thing about damien before we kind of move on here is very young guy Mm -hmm. and all the movies that he's done are different babylon i believe is a a TV project with some similarities to La La Land. I think it's like 1920 set, like kind of early jazz scene. And, and you know, Emma Stone can do a, a role like that with music. I mean, she won best actress for La La Land and uh, very I, happy about that. She's really since for me, I'll always see her as, as Jules and, um, and super bad. Cause that was a big generational film Ugh. for us yeah. when we were in high school. But I think with her is she's evolved. Some people say, getting a role like she had in the help was really big for her and what Mm -hmm. she's been able to accomplish since then. But nominated for Birdman, which the same year as whiplash, but nominated for Birdman. She won for La La Land. She was in the favorite another movie we've we've talked about as well. I mean, she can really, she, she's done the rom-com. She's done the pure comedy. She's done all these other period piece kind of roles. Um, And I really think that anything that she wants to do, she can definitely do. And, yeah, and that that was front row center for La La Land.
2: Right. And and I think one of the huge things about it because a lot of the movies I like are based off the actors. Like I will go see a movie, even if it's not rated highly for the actors. And sure. having someone like emin Stone, like you said, where it was basically super bad defined her for us. And from then I was in and, you know, uh easy A was out at that time too. Right. Um, and then going into something like The Favourite where now that, like, I guess her roles in a sense are transitioning as long as, or with how I'm viewing movies. Because I, if I were to watch The Favourite back then, I would not appreciate it for what it was. Right. And now, like, growing up with her and then having her switch to that kind of movie is revolutionary for me.
0: It is. And she's really, she, she's checked off a lot of boxes too. She's done the comedy that kind of got her on the map. She's done the rom-com situation mm-hmm. kind of thing too. And she's also had her experience with two superhero films as well, playing the yeah. Gwen Stacy and the Andrew Garfield uh, rendition of Peter Parker and Spider-Man and the amazing Spider-Man for that one. But I, I really, I'm curious to see what the next five years of her career are going to be. I know that I think she was nominated for the favorite too. So she's had mm-hmm. three nominations. She's won once for best actress and she's also, I think she's in like the Disney reimagining of 101 Dalmatians where she's playing the lead of Corella Deville. Vil. Ooh. And I know yeah. like it's, it's it's, I mean, she's had some roles where she's played people who's been like the hero or like the good person or the funny person. But I'm ready to see her embody what was a childhood villain for us. And then yeah. being able to see when she, if she can take that to the next level. Cause she's just everything she's evolving as she gets older. and there's so. I didn't
2: know about that one, that but I, that, I'm, I'm excited about that.
0: Yeah. And, 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 and that'll be, that'll be good to see here. I'm sure. I think that's sometime in 2021. So we'll see. Okay. When it comes to kind of moving on to like the next people you mentioned there, Damien's great and we'll see what Babylon and what other his uh, future projects will be like, and we'll be excited to watch those. But Tarantino, for me as well, just to kind of talk about, we talked about Reservoir, like, early on. That's a movie where I will talk with my friends and my my cousin Ryan, and he'll appreciate this, to that cast where there's no one's real names, it's Mr. and a color. So pink and all those, just mm-hmm. to keep going. That is a movie that, if I'm bored, my go-to thing to do in my head is... If I were to recast that movie today, if I was the casting director that with a director that was going to remake that movie today, what actors would I pick to play those seven or eight roles? Because if you look at it and you go back, low budget film, Mm -hmm. there were some actors who were already established at that time and then some people that was their kind of big break. And then you take Tarantino, that's his first impression on Hollywood there. And then what he then goes into that that first one, two punch Jason of reservoir and then go into Pulp Fiction that really has never been done before. Right. And It never really has been duplicated since then either. And there are some people that their body of work, you can compare or you might rank above Tarantino, but there's so many movies. Like I think the first three movies that he directed was reservoir, Pulp Fiction. And then I think maybe Jackie Brown. I'm not sure I could be wrong there, but he also wrote, or was involved in the movie-making process and wrote part of Natural Born Killers, which came out the same year as Pulp Fiction. And he's also been involved with some things that he didn't direct it, but he was heavily involved with as well. So for Tarantino, do you have a favorite movie of his? Are there any that you like or are there any that you don't like out of his nine or so that he's done so far? Uh, I So I'm with
2: you on Reservoir Dogs. I actually mm. now want to do that little game with myself to see yeah. who I would cast. Cause, oh uh, that's, that's so interesting. And I, what I love a lot about reservoir dogs is, and this is Tarantino in general, but right where he takes these little conversations where they're deciding the names. And that's now a five to 10 minute dialogue scene. Right. That you're in though. Right. You're not, it's not like this is a bad way to do 10 minutes. Right. You're in on this whole, it's the character development of these characters through something so little as I don't want to be Mr. Pink. And right. I think that's that, that definitely is why I think Reservoir Dogs is my favorite. Pulp Fiction, yeah, like you mentioned, is already there. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I know for me, it goes in the same sense with La La Land in terms of how I appreciate Hollywood in general, what they have to go through behind the scenes. Right. And to see that – I did have to take a second rewatch because the trailer – Kind of formatted the movie differently in my head, right? But understanding what it was and focusing on Leonardo's character, I was I definitely appreciated that movie so much the second time, right? Um, and I think for me, and this isn't even a bad thing, but the Kill Bills, yeah, I'm not huge on that kind of action, okay? Like I, I loved it, but it's a different it's a different way to look at it compared to the Pulp Fiction and the Once Upon a Time movies. Right.
0: I had a very similar situation with the Kill Bills. I don't think I've seen all of Kill Bill Volume 2. I've seen the first one. 100% agree with what you're talking about with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That trailer, I was good to go. I was all in. I remember when I saw it, I had come back from a vacation with my parents, and then I sat in the movie for three hours, and I'm like, is this what I wanted Cause, like, when you go when you go into it, like Tarantino, he writes every word of his movies, and every single thing that he writes down with like set direction and set design and the screenplay. All of that is what you see at the end. That end result is everything yes. was created by him writing out his those words for those characters for all the movies that he's ever done. So, my second time I rewatched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, New Year's Eve of last year, and when that movie ends, and and when they go up. When they leave Margot Robbie's house and they have the 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 driveway which says "Once Upon a Time in Hollywood," I put like mm. a little thing up there. I have to go back and find it about. But um, 2019 was a great year. Can't wait to see what 2020 has in store. Now, fast oh, forward to nine months in. Please let's hit the reset button. My let's God, go back. But for Tarantino, though, Reservoir was '92, solid films that year. But '94, you had Forrest Gump, you had Shawshank, you had Lion King, you had Pulp Fiction and you had – like it was like the biggest year for – I don't think it was Toy Story and Lion King in the same year. It's one of those two movies, but either Lion King or, or uh, Toy Story. But just for a movie like that, that holds up so well, a lot of Tarantino's movies hold up really, really well. And it's not like – there's some movies that I have that I'm fans of that I could watch 100-plus times. I think I've yeah. seen Wayne's World and Ferris Bueller and – School of Rock 100 plus times and I never get sick of it. That's why that movie, those movies are some of my favorites to watch. I've seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood three times and I think down the line that might increase its way up over time into my top two or three of his films. And Reserv- I can see that. Reservoir is up there. I like Reservoir more than Pulp because Pulp very similar to Nolan and we'll kind of get there in in a little bit is pulp. There's a lot of different timelines. There's a lot lot of important uh, characters in that movie that you kind of have to know what's going on there with reservoir. That movie, I think it's the shortest of any of his movies, like an hour and 25 minutes or so they start in the diner. They're arguing about how much should I tip this waitress? Why does my name have to be this color? Things like that. Right. Yes. But then what it goes into is it is just pure intensity for the next hour and 10 minutes and then you're locked in it's a movie that if you just want to sit and lock into a movie and you don't want to watch what the movies we get now which are somewhere between two hours two hours plus that is a movie if you haven't seen yet or it's a movie you haven't seen in a while i'm sure that you'll be able to feel the same way once you watch that movie and tarantino a lot of his movies are like that the short ones and the long ones like django is great inglorious is incredible that screenplay my god Yep the first time I saw a movie on 70 millimeter projected, I went to my away game regal for hateful eight. And it was like the, and like the IMAX theater, like the film, there was like the overture. There was a lot going on for that movie. And then being able, I think I've seen hateful eight twice and that movie dialogue heavy, slow at times, but it's classic Tarantino. Right. And he's just one of those big names out there that, he might say some controversial things or have some interesting, some, some interesting opinions on, on life in general, but people go see his movies and we're yeah. definitely some of the first people in line to go. And
2: see. I, I was going to bring up hateful eight as one is like, you know, I, that's one of them. I haven't seen another time. Okay. And I think it's because, you know, watching it at home for three hours, cause I would want to see the extended one, which I think is three plus hours. Right. That's just hard to do on your couch. Oh, it's it absolutely the same. is. And, I think the first hour of that movie was hard, right? Cause you're, you're like, what's really going on? What's this movie about? Right. But once you get in that cabin, it's, that's when everything starts of flowing course.
0: out. Oh, absolutely. And then what I love about Tarantino, before we kind of move on here to Nolan and, and our, and our main segment is, and I want to talk about one other thing too, but it's the cast. Yes. And I think with, If you look from top to bottom, there's a lot of people that are recurring actors, not the same character, but except for the Kill Bills, but recurring actors that he always works with that are completely different roles from the Mm -hmm. previous films. And when he writes these screenplays for these movies that he's done, he's very open about from what I've read and what I've seen in interviews. I'm thinking about Samuel L. Jackson, his voice when I write this character, because I know that he's my guy. When Tarantino calls, you don't... Hang right, up. right. And there's three actors that I would love to see be in a Tarantino movie. Because he's like, is he going to... Because it always say like the eighth Tarantino film or the ninth film. They say 10 will be his last. I don't know what it's going right. to be. But I would love for, for him to make a movie with Johnny Depp. Okay. I like that pick. Somehow throw Meryl Streep in there. Oof. All right. And then I would love... To see him now, just because of seeing movies that he's been in, I would love to see how he he could exist in a uh, Tarantino world, is Daniel Kaluuya from Mm, Get Out, Minor Role in Sicario. He has got a big movie coming out here in a couple of months, and he was in Queen and Slim too. He is just someone that I feel like would thrive in the intensity of a Tarantino world. And uh, he's I just someone so. that's high on my list here. And he's someone that, like you said earlier, like he's an actor. If he's in a movie, I'll go see because he's in it. And he's really good in the movie Widows, if, if you've seen that as well. He's yeah, great. I did. And, and going back to the whole actor thing, when one
2: of the reasons I was so hyped for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was I think a year before that movie came out, I saw the five actors who were in the movie. Right, Leonardo, Al Pacino, Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie. I was locked in. Yes. Those are those all around. Like Margot, I've loved ever since Wolf of Wall Street. I thought, I thought she was going to be amazing and she's blown up. Al Pacino, classic. Like he was, he was one of the names where if he wasn't in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I would say, I want to see him in a movie. Right. In a Tarantino movie. But right. Now nah, <laughs> that's done. And then DiCaprio, you know, my all time favorite. Of course. Being there, I was, I was so happy for that.
0: Yeah. And I think what's crazy too, is Al Pacino is in his late seventies. Now he comes onto the scene in the seventies with the Godfather and he's been set ever since that was the first time he had ever worked with Tarantino. And I know that Leo, that was round two after Django Yep. and Brad Pitt with inglorious and in this, and a lot of those other people that are kind of in there, some recurring people like Bruce Dern and Kurt Russell have been involved with him for a while as well. Tim so that Roth. was And wow. Tim Roth, of course. And there's just people out there like that was Margot Robbie's first time. And uh, I'm just interested to see what's next for him. Will he only do one more movie and that's it? Will he kind of get past that 10 movie kind of situation I, and, and I'm, push forward as long as he wants to? But I think he's done. Like I, That's just the vibe
2: I'm getting. He's very passionate about it. That's That's part of it right now is the debate between the two movies he wanted to do right and i want to say last i heard it was kill bill 3 or star trek right
0: right, right. i do uh, know there's a lot of things i saw just to kind of jump in there real quick with kill bill volume 3 like vivica a. fox just came out a couple of times and she said that she wants zendaya to play her daughter in kill bill oof, volume 3 okay. which would be great and zendaya yeah. loves zendaya big fan of her work and she's someone too where had that kind of child star thing has really had like a positive life off screen and she is not only uh, a fantastic singer and has some music of her own, but she's gotten she's checked off the boxes of an HBO series that's really deep in Euphoria, and she got an Emmy nomination, well deserved. She's checked off the boxes of doing a, been a part of a superhero franchise, and so hopefully there's another. Um, other, I think there's going to be another Spider Man, uh, the the Tom Holland version. But then also she is in a movie with John David Washington. And we'll talk about him in a little bit where she's starting to really do very well where people are approaching her to be in a role. And she's on the path now, very similar to like Kaluuya and John David Washington and people that are kind of our age where they're getting roles that they want to do and they're letting them just go with it. And I think that Zendaya who like, it's also a model as well She'll be known for her work on screen, I think, here in, in the 2020s. And I really can't wait to see what, she, what she'll accomplish because she's great.
2: Yeah, it's going to be good because we've already seen her kind of adapt. Like we reflect in the Emma Stone thing we were talking about earlier. Like, right. Zendaya is going on that route. And it's going to be interesting to see once she becomes more of this. She's already a prominent figure. But once she becomes more to be like, I'm making this movie. Because I, I, I can't think of the one she was advertising recently, but there's one movie. She's a part of that. I think she pushed it very hard to make and I'll, I'll have to find out later, but
0: I know she filmed a movie during quarantine and it's just her and John David Washington.
2: That okay. That is the one.
0: Yeah. yeah. And I think that was at, I don't, I'm not sure if it debuted, but I know that it's, it's sold to something. I'm not, I th- it might be Netflix, Netflix, um, for the Venice, another film festival a couple of weeks ago that a lot of people there were some some movies that kind of came out and they were people drop some cash essentially these (laughs) studios and these platforms drop some cash but i mentioned film festival there for a second i want to talk about your experience with film festivals before we talk about our main segment and that'll be christopher nolan for you the only film festival i excuse me for me Um, I've only been to one film festival in my entire life. It was the Florida Film Festival. It was at the Enzian. I've gone every year the past couple of years. This year it was virtual. I didn't uh purchase any films to watch, but um I I hope to go back to the Enzian soon. I know they're open at I think 50% capacity and the restaurant outside there, the Eden Bar people have been going. Um follow them on the gram if you don't. But for film festivals for me. I got to see a couple of movies where there were like press events after. So um, I saw a movie called Hearts Beat Loud um, and Matt Haley's the director of that. And he was there and he was really cool to talk to, which was great. And then I went to the the premiere Event the year prior to that, where Mark Duplass, who we know as Pete Eckhart from the league, but he's mm-hmm. very involved with his brother Jay. So his first major film debut, The Puffy Chair, they showed, which is from the mid two thousands. And I got to meet him after, which was really cool, and take a picture with oh, him, which was awesome. Damn, but he man. he was he was all about like owning your creativity and and really setting yourself up where if you have a way to kind of get exposure and get experience in something and that will lead you to eventually be able to make something and create something that you're passionate about, that was his thing. So he talked about like he loved doing the league because what he got in terms of exposure from being on a cable television show and what he got and him being lucky for that show running seven seasons that led him to the money he got from that to fund the projects that him and his brother were passionate about. Yeah, And so you get to see movies like that and you hear people talk like that at festivals like that. But that's just my little festival here where it was not, some events were sold out. Some of them, there were less people there than when I would go see a movie on a weekend pre COVID. But for you, you traveled out of the country Mm -hmm. to a film festival. So let's talk about TIFF, what movies you saw there. Um, And we'll, we'll go back and forth for a second and then we'll talk.
2: I, I, you know, I didn't, Do the little put my toe in the water, get the temperature of the Florida Film Festival. I went right in. I was like Tiff or Sundance was the move. I basically bought the tickets. I bought the six movie bundle pack. So I got the, I had to do the fun of trying to schedule which movies to see when and get all the timings, get the whole list. Cause I mean, Tiff is one of the big ones. You know, a few, I'll throw a few tips in here and there for future people who want to go visit it. Because for me, one of the hardest things, I went the second weekend, which is the cheaper weekend for a lot of people. But it definitely, the celebrities aren't really there. You get the okay. lower, the movies that need more exposure. I right. saw one of the directors there, um, but nothing nothing noteworthy. But yeah, it's it was an awesome experience. It's something I definitely want to do again. I want to hit Sundance, but like with TIFF, because the city of Toronto is, TIFF's a big part of it. They say they shut down the streets, like all the all the buildings and the bars and stuff they have the parties rented out months in advance and all yeah. that kind of stuff yeah. um there's six movie theaters i think 6 to 8 of the theaters in a 3 mile radius of each other okay and so i was staying in a hotel right basically right next to the tiff box office okay and yeah so to go to each movie i would i would go one which is 3 miles away and then i'd have one right after where i walk like a mile back but i mean that that was cool too just to see because i never been to toronto i really never been outside of the country except for cruises so right. to be in to be in toronto with everyone around me being like movie lovers and it's all about this tiff experience it, it was something unique for sure
0: and i know for me the movies that i had at the at the florida film festival some of them are on like streaming platforms now like hearts beat loud uh, which had Nick Offerman and Kirstie Clemens and Tony Collette to dance in a great movie. Loved it. Great soundtrack as well. That movie played at the Enzian and then maybe had a week or two at Regal because they had like a partnership with them. And then that mm-hmm. would, that, but that's very much considered an indie film. The movies that were on your list of movies you wanted to see or movies you actually got to see. Some of those movies were movies that were, nationwide releases once that release date was set post its debut at that festival so let's talk about those here for a second
2: yeah well so i was gonna say one of the hardest parts was without being a tiff member Mm -hmm. i basically get in line after a lot of the people so joker is a movie that was on my list but there was no chance i was getting it it was friday prime time and it was sold out when and i was one of the first groups to actually go besides the tiff members right there was no way i was getting it wow and so that's something if you're gonna do it be the tiff member just dive yeah. in and also the fact that the second weekend didn't show like for example parasite was one on my list that it was all the hype and stuff but i wanted to see it but it wasn't even showing the second weekend right so that was one I was unfortunate but then the ones i did actually go see i saw just mercy okay. with um, michael b jordan and James Fox. Yep. Fox. Uh, Mr. the Mr. Rogers movie with Tom Hanks.
1: Tom Hanks, yeah,
2: which fantastic. Of course, um, one of them that I think actually just came out the theaters recently was called The Burnt Orange Heresy. Okay, that was one of the ones I wanted to do. Like, okay, everyone's gonna see Joker. I'm gonna see Joker in two weeks because when TIFF was happening, it was two weeks away. So I'm like, right. I don't need to push it. I want right. to see something that right isn't gonna come out till December, and then I'll right. watch every I'll watch the trailer with people when I go back and see their reactions and be like, ah, I, I'm right. I was with you. Yeah. I saw Jojo rabbit. Okay. Which was, that was an experience. That was fun. Right. Um, honey boy, which honey boy was the sad one because I saw the director for burnt orange heresy.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Right. Which is, that was the movie that needed more promotion and stuff like that. So the second movie I was seeing was honey boy. And I'm like, Oh, Shia going to be here. Right. is here. I'm going to flip out. Right. And now nah, I, it will, that didn't happen. Didn't and I was happen. very sad. Yeah. But great movie. The one that hurts me the most was Ford versus Ferrari. I right. saw there. That was upsetting. In turn, and it's upsetting to me because I, I think I got thrown off right away with mindset I had going in. As I mm-hmm. thought it was going to be this tale of this underdog versus the big company kind of thing. I kind of right. knew where that was going. Right. Um. Then they go up on stage and say, this is brought to you by Disney. And I, in my head, I'm like, I already know what's going to happen right in terms of the humor and how they portray it which right. i think that's what really took me out of it i think a lot of families would love the movie i think a lot of people do enjoy the movie for mm-hmm. me the gimmicks and stuff took me out of this battle that the underdog was doing interesting but i mean the acting and cinematography and that and the editing amazing right so i can't i can't flack it all but
0: right it's a hot take. Live a, it is, it is I told spicy. I the people episodes 0 you're going to get those hot takes. Oh, man. It's Yeah, it's, and th- that's one great. I tell
2: my friends. Like I'm like, I hated that. And they're like, oh, it was one of my favorites. I'm like, I don't trust your opinion. Right, you know? yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't know what I
0: could do here. And we're not and friends. Then
2: yeah. The last one was Waves. Of course. So Waves, this is a two-part thing because I guess what happened was I saw Jojo Rabbit. Right. And this is when we were kind of out of movies. So we were basically like, all right, this is the last day. Let's kind of... Let's see if we could triple feature because there's the rush lines, which rush lines, if you want a good shot at getting in a movie like Joker, no chance. Right. And which was wild because people, there were like 20 different lines for getting in a Joker. So this movie that was already sold out that I mm-hmm. couldn't even get in. Right. That these people are waiting for, for a chance of like five tickets. Jeez. And on top, luckily, like what happened with Waves was someone came around and said, hey, who wants two? And so, me and my friend, we, we were right there, got yeah. it. After Waves, we tried to hop back into the same rush line for the same theater. So, we didn't have to go that far. And this was for Uncut Gems. But we didn't get that because he went to get food when someone wanted to offer tickets. And I was, no. I cried a little bit.
0: It's um, crazy because I'm trying to think because you were up there for a couple of days.
2: Yeah, four days.
0: So was, so, was Wave the last movie you saw when you were up there?
2: Yeah, it was. It was the Sunday
0: and and that was a movie that you was not on you didn't have tickets of that going into your trip when you flew Mm -hmm. up so that
2: waves was one that i had on like i had a list of like 30 right because um well one that's how many movies there were right and then the conflict for example i the mr rogers movie that i went to see my friend went to see bad education because yeah i couldn't do both because of the timing right so it was real. it was a grid to try to map it out and see okay this one's here at 420 it gets out here and then it's a 20 minute walk right am i gonna get it
0: we've talked about waves and i want to bring it back into the nzn for a second that's a movie that you told me about was not a movie that was on my list before you went to tiff but that and uncut gems were at the top of my list when you came back yep so you didn't get to see uncut i didn't see uncut i saw uncut christmas day with my cousin who was on episode three my cousin brendan Christmas Night at the Enzian, the, the film before that, I saw The Irishman, which we discussed as well. I believe you saw it at the Enzian as well. I saw it at the Enzian, yeah. And then before that, the day before Thanksgiving, I saw Waves and Waves, all, all three of those, all at the Enzian. And I saw, ironically, Jojo Rabbit. I saw the day of the actual Academy Awards last year, the day of the Oscars, when Parasite, of course, oh yeah, won as well, which is great. So, and and lucky you for being able to go to a festival where all those other films were playing, and that's kind of those movies that were either debuting there or mm-hmm. um, were showing there that they'd already debuted prior. were a lot of the movies that dictated the award season, yep. which was which was really cool as well, and
2: that that's I think why I put uh tiff over sundance i think one of the what i was looking at last year is this is called a people's Grosh award i'm probably pronouncing that wrong but yeah basically everyone gets to they vote on the favorite movies and for the past few years the one that won the fan favorite like green book won the past few years what won the fan favorite there was actually pretty much the oscar front runner or the winner for best picture Wow. wow and so i was like Oh, if Parasite wins, we're in for it. Because I didn't see it, but if Parasite won, um I what did win this last time was Jojo. Okay. I think. Yeah. Okay. So it was Jojo, top three with JoJo, marriage story, and Parasite. Okay. Which I mean, I I was just in. I I get why people voted Jojo. I could see people like with Parasite only being the first weekend and and, you know, it's not being something right on people's radar right away. If it's just a casual movie. Lover or someone who
0: is going for the different movies, everyone saw JoJo, everyone who saw it loved it. Yeah, those are all movies that I saw. And Parasite, for me, I've never seen a movie that molded together three different genres into one. Like, I know that. So, for people who haven't seen Parasite, the film is not in English, so the language of the film, which was like, was it South Korean? Yes, okay. I felt as if I was fluent in the language during the movie because I was so locked in. But here's the odd thing. When I had left the movie, I somehow had forgotten to how to understand and speak what, what little I could speak of the language by the time I got back to my car. Yeah. You try to quote that movie, which is nuts. It's impossible. It can't be done, (laughs) but I mean, it can be for the people that speak the language. And that's why I I wanted to watch no piercer because, um, Boon Jong Ho, he directed that movie, directed Parasite and some other movies as well that are all fantastic. But Parasite for me, and being able to really see that in like a non-traditional theater like the Enzian, was just kind of just like led more into that experience and contributed to that whole two and a half hours that I was in there, which is great. And the same thing happened with, with Uncut Gems and with Waves. But Waves is a movie that I honestly, I have not stopped thinking about since I've seen it. Yeah. And in two months roughly from this conversation will be a year since I've seen that movie. I haven't seen it since fantastic soundtrack and score that goes with the movie. But there's just so many things in that movie that either I would have experienced directly people that I knew went through that. It was so relatable in terms of the ages that you look back on who you would have been like five, six, seven, eight years ago. And you just see, wow, is that what maybe someone's life could really be like, or, this is what was going on with me, but I didn't really have, I didn't, I was fortunate enough not to really experience those negative effects. Mm -hmm. And like just movies like that really really resonate with you over time. Not a movie that it's not a movie I could watch monthly either. It's very intense. And and I just felt like for that movie, I think we've talked about it as well. Did you feel the same way? Yeah. So,
2: well, to go back to one of our points was I viewed waves as a complete cinematic experience Mm -hmm. there you do not get the same effect of that movie being at home that you would being just locked in with the surround sound and all that because the soundtrack you know sounds constantly going right the the camera work is i was trying to remember but the camera doesn't stop often right it's circling around the characters it's constantly moving throughout a scene and that's something if you look away like you're it's not the same experience right and going with what you said now yeah that's i saw the tweet that's why i kept bringing it up and i told you about it was right i saw a tweet that said i'm still thinking about waves and this is while right. i was at tiff and i'm like oh he he's hyping it for me right and so i go into it and just just the mindset of like you said it could happen to anyone how fast it happened right it was right Everything was going so smoothly. Every, this family was, they were put in a position and then one night, five hours, snaps, everything, right. everything, everything. And it's something, you know, I don't think I've been pushed to that point, right. right? That breaking point where I was on the cusp like that. But yeah, people definitely have, Oh and, sure. and people have, you know, the stress of what they're going through. Like I could see star athletes being put in that position from sure. the whole father. Like we've seen that relationship built in other movies and tv shows to where right. this is a different way to tell it and then also the fact that you know the first half of the movie and the second half of the movie were two separate entities right where now okay we were in the first half it was suspenseful right and now the second half is the fallout and also from another person's point of view right of the situation which 100 percent makes it more relatable because now okay yeah i didn't go through it but what would I do if I did go through it and what would I do if someone near me got went through it and that was the second half which is like how do you not stop thinking about that
0: right and there's so many like big descriptions of life that you go through like in like that wave of the movie right fantastic title right it's I'm serious so like you take and like I close my eyes right now and I think of like the the beat and Frank Ocean's voice for Godspeed. And like, I think of that, that I close my eyes, I'm doing it now and I'm thinking of that movie and I see the trailer of Taylor Russell who plays a sister in that movie and she's on the bike and I see that street. And like, there's just so many things like sacrifice and accountability and communication and trust. Those elements that I just talked about are at the forefront of that movie. The first half with- the brother and then the last half with the sister and seeing the story in their life from their point of views, it's very intense. And there's some scenes where the cinematography is kind of all over the place, but it's so real and that's what they're going through. So for a movie like that, in terms of just overall intensity and approach to what you said, like that cinematic experience I have had a few like that before. It just, it's just, it's just a movie that I really just haven't really stopped thinking about since then.
2: And because this was a rush line for me, right? Like I didn't see the trailer. I knew a little bit about it. I knew it was on my list. Didn't know how high it was. Right. Um, I obviously, I picked like honey boy and stuff over it, mm-hmm. but the, the opportunity was there. And I said, I'm in let's, right. Let's see what we can get. And I did not expect to walk out of that movie. Like I did.
0: Right luckily I saw that movie. I went to like a nine 30 showing. I didn't have to like go out, do something after that. I could, oh, I could go I and go to bed. I couldn't, I was done. I was, a, ooh, <laughs> I was done. I was done. And I was like, there's so many movies that make you think and like you drive home and sometimes I'm just like quiet the whole way home and I'm thinking, and then I get home and I don't have like enough, like I got to kind of like comprehend and see what it comes out the other end. And like the next day I can kind of think about it and talk about it. And mm thanksgiving like i think we talked like that next week and i was just like dude i saw waves and i'm just like i haven't stopped thinking about it and i and i've told you six plus months since then i still think yep. about it so i always love getting
2: that message because uh, yeah. i get it from my friend too who i saw yeah. it with he's like i'm still thinking about waves
0: oh yeah but we, we've talked film festivals we've talked favorite directors we've talked favorite movie for you what i want to talk about here in the next to wrap up episode four of live on set is Christopher Nolan films, but the last five, 10 minutes or so talk about Tenet. So talk about Tenet for a second, just in generalities and talk about Chris Nolan. And then when we talk about Tenet at the end, um, for anyone that hasn't seen the movie, the next time I bring up Tenet, if you want to pause it or if you want to risk it all, hey, you make your own decisions. (laughs) But Tenet for me was the first time I was back in a movie theater. Six months and a week, since I had actually sat in a theater and I went to Regal previously for invisible man. And then I went to, to Regal for Tenet. 150 seat theater. My friend and I, Connor, who was the guest on episode uh, one of live on set, we were two of six people in the theater. We got oh, our tickets yeah. 30 minutes before we went across to bar Louie and we had lunch. And then we went across and there was no one in there. There were people at the end of our row and two other people behind us. And i never felt, in, I would say in danger, they were very careful. So if you want to go back mm-hmm. to a movie now and you see movies, a lot of it is buy your tickets online, or when you go there, they'll show you what seats are available in the theater. And if you want to push it back 15, 20 minutes, like Tenet, when I went was playing in 16 of the 20 theaters, and there was always a new screening every 15 or 20 minutes. If you want to go, if you and a friend want to go see a movie right now, the time to do it is now that they're open because no one will be there
2: the same thing with amc is what i like what they're doing is getting the ticket through the app they're blocking out seats like right i think the next two seats from your right left front back it's you're boxed in your own little section right and so that they have the hand sanitizers everywhere they bring the wipes they have you wear the mask the whole time in and out i i'm comfortable to a point like if if someone come walks past me to go to the restroom takes their mask off and sneezes in my face i'm gonna have a we'll problem. see right but, but yeah i mean i the first movie for me back was unhinged okay actually which i okay. saw like about a week or two before and, russell
0: crow go ahead man. And,
2: well, it didn't do it for me okay it didn't do it for me it All wasn't right. the movie to come back on it was tenet that was oh, i should have waited okay but i was just excited
0: yeah um so before we talk uh tenet Let's talk about like Christopher Nolan films in general. Like there are so many similarities that I think he's carried from film to film. But he somehow is just one of those directors where he probably has this idea. Him and his team have an idea about what this next film is going to be with the technology that has evolved when it comes to filmmaking since he his first feature was called Following into with Tenet. A lot of things have changed. And he's somehow been able to, every film he's done, do something that's never been done before. Yeah. And I feel like with Tenet and Dunkirk and Interstellar, which are the last three films that he's done post the Dark Knight trilogy, they are event films that are meant to be seen on the big screen. And they are loud. Yeah. I don't know if it's starting to become a problem for me, though. Dunkirk was loud and I knew what I was getting myself into. Tenet was also very loud as well. Yeah. And I think that now here's the crazy thing. It's against everything I believe in. And I've never told <laughs> you this personally. Okay. I'll I take. never saw Inception in a theater. Okay. I mean, I, I, I can understand that
2: that's 10 years ago, you know, we're right. lives.
0: I saw the dark night and the dark night rises and then Interstellar and Dunkirk and Tenet in a theater. The Dark Knight's, Dark Knight Rises, loud, definitely. It's going to be louder than any other kind of films that are like that. But Tenet is really loud. Mm-hmm. And then Dunkirk was really, really loud. I think he, he what he did was he just kept the same volume. They didn't I, I, turn it back. No. They've been going
2: up ever since.
0: Right. And <laughs> and then we'll see. I mean, my God. I mean, I, I don't have earbuds or like the the sound earbuds, like if you were to go to an event or like a, like a NASCAR or a race car race and you need the earbuds. Yeah. But it was close. It was close. I'm, we're going to need the subtitles on the Blu-ray. Oh my gosh. For sure. Something, something. Because I might see Tenet again in a theater and there were some Christopher Nolan movies that I'd seen multiple times in theaters before. I think I saw Interstellar twice. So The Dark Knight four times and The Dark Knight Rises four times. But that shows you how I spent my time in the summers (laughs) of 2008 and 2012. But for me, Christopher Nolan, a lot of his films have to do with the aspect of time Mm -hmm. and what has the intensity of the characters that are comprised in his stories and what they have to achieve before the time runs out. Yeah. And for me, Tenet was another movie that did that. It's not my face, favorite Christopher Nolan film, but for what he's been able to accomplish from following to where he's at today, yeah. he is one of those people like a Tarantino or a Spielberg or a Scorsese where that name attached to a movie, especially yeah, if it's on movies, like the executive producer, like the, the director, it's their project, has the attention of a population and, and, of, an, of, mm-hmm. and of an audience. So... Look for a movie like Tenet where that will be rolled out to more cities and there will be more screenings as um, guidelines with the CDC and, and and different towns will allow people to go sit in theaters and in terms of capacity on audiences and the volume of audiences. But that is a movie that I know if I wanted to go tonight or tomorrow, I'd be definitely less than 10 people in a theater. Right. But it's just those movies that, for some of movies that he's done, the rewatchability is there. And then some, it's he's that director that if I could, if I could have one superpower that isn't flying or invisibility, can I have the same feeling of watching a certain movie for the first time? Wow. A lot of Christopher Nolan movies have done that for me. Another yeah. movie that did that for me is almost famous because I'm a big fan of music being able to be put in a position. Cameron Crowe kind of wrote that story about his himself and his upbringing about if I could follow around my favorite band and write a story over the course of a summer for Rolling Stones and see what they're like on stage and off. That is by far like the dream, right? Uh, For anyone that's a fan of music, but for Christopher Nolan, there's just so many movies that he's been a part of that I'll never forget the first experience I had watching those movies.
2: So going with that, um what are your top three and then where would you put tenant like ballpark because i can get my my top three and this will hands down let's go i I don't don't think it questions
0: okay so let's go three two one each you say your third i'll say mine and we'll go and we'll go to we'll go i just i have my three in my head all right go so three you go first
2: three is the prestige
0: okay all right i would say Three for me is probably, God, I'm in between two right now. I would probably say Inception.
2: Oh, that's a hot take against me.
0: Okay. (laughs) And I'll go two and you go two. Two for me is Prestige. Okay. Two for me is Dark Knight. Okay. So I know what your one is. Okay. One for me, uh, guys, it's following. No, I'm joking. (laughs) Uh, following is solid too. It's like an it's hour not- and twenty minutes. It's 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 great. But but one that- one one for me, Jason, is Dark Knight. Yeah. And my yeah. mind's inception. Okay. Like just movies that he kind of takes things to the next level. He's doing he's consistently and he did it with Tenet as well. Like he's yeah. doing movies that have never been done before. And it's not like, okay, how can I top myself and do what no one else is doing? Christopher, if you're listening, you're doing things that no one's been doing for the past ten years. But I, I just think that the prestige is incredible. The Dark Knight trilogy, like what he did to that superhero genre, he kind of just broke it and recreated yeah. it in a way that now people will aspire to do for the, as long as people make movies. And they'll um, do it wrong. And they'll do it wrong. And I think with with Christopher Nolan kind of working my way back to Tenet here, I really liked Interstellar. It's a movie I've seen, I think, t- only twice Um, But then Dunkirk, I've only seen once. I think Dunkirk is the shortest movie he's had since following. And that movie is just kind of like his like three act play. And Mm -hmm. it's just a story that he wanted to tell for so long. And it's just really loud. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And yeah, like Interstellar for me, I've only seen once. Okay.
2: And it it's one that. Like, compared to the first three, like I like how our top threes are pretty much the same, just right. different order, but right. the same concept, right? From what you were saying, if you were to rewatch a movie again right, for the first time, and that'd be Prestige. Because every other time I watch it, knowing the big twist, right, like, I'll never get that first feeling back of the first time I watched it not knowing right. that the whole right. time. Because I remember right. one of the big things was I would recommend Prestige to friends, and I would watch it with them. And right. I'm sitting there the whole time, like, oh, this is. They're gonna think it's so bad. They're gonna see it right there, right? You know, and they don't, which I'm happy about. But right. yeah, if I could see that for the first time over again,
0: you'd do it, yeah, oh, oh, for sure, in a heartbeat. And, and I think kind of like when we get back here to Tenet is there's some people that have been in all of a majority of his films. So people mm-hmm. like Michael Caine have been in a lot of them. What's What's really important is he is also very careful with i think his approach to filmmaking and he seems to have an equation that he will write down and i saw something that he did where he kind of like writes everything out like on a board of what he wants to happen in that end result so like he's coming up with an equation with every film he's doing that mathematical or that analytical approach he has this equation when it might not be numbers that we would know, like what numbers look like one, two, three, four, five. I was
2: going to say, are you talking about an algorithm?
0: It's, it is an algorithm. Okay. No, okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but it's an algorithm that he creates the components. And then the end result is something that's never been done before. And, yeah. and, and, and that's what he has mastered.
2: And I saw that with Memento too, because he, oh, he basically made the timeline of it and how he structured the movie with the black and white scenes right. versus the color. Yes. yes. and, what i one of the things i like about everything he does is he sets the rules for the world right and each right. of these movies has a different set of rules that you got to be a part of right um and one of, we'll talk more about it in a bit but one of the big things i liked about inception was how they did it right right like this whole dream within a dream concept how they walked us through every little thing about the kick and going deeper and how time works they set it up flawlessly right and you know with prestige you have the whole tricks and how they they let you basically into the same mind. You, you're not confused about it. Well, you might be confused for a bit, but they fill you in. Memento, right. same thing, you know. Right. All these things with the rules they set, that's what he can keep doing. He doesn't have to copy anyone. Right. He's making his own rules. Right. And then the way he shoots these movies, right, I don't think I could be in a position where something like Memento, right, how do I film that? Right And how do I splice it together to be like, this is perfect for this, these five minutes. And then after this scene, this is the perfect scene to follow. Right. right? Told not in, not even in chronological order.
0: Right. That's true. And I love how you broke it down there because that's so like any director that any person that it's their job to kind of pilot this plane or be the captain of this ship is how can I deliver this final product safely to an audience but what i deliver is the story that i want to tell
1: yeah
0: and 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 memento for me was that was my toss up between that and inception okay because memento for me just kind of like the editing with that is so puts you in the position of someone that could have like short term memory loss where they start a new day and it's they're starting at zero every single day mm-hmm. and for some people it's multiple times a day and what's what's crazy is he can layer in so many things that might give hints to the audience about what's going to happen with their race against time, kind of bringing it back to what I said when we started talking about him. But then he'll be like, nope. And then, (laughs) And then it happens all the time and it's happened with with Inception and it's happened uh, towards the end of Dark Knight Rises and then from other films as well. And there's some movies that haven't and then there's some movies that has like this moment where you've like been smacked in the face and Mm -hmm. that's all you think about for a little bit. Another movie to do that where I'm trying to focus on something and I might have an idea about something, but then that's not at all what it is. Um, And that happened with me with tenant. So for the next five minutes or so, before we wrap things up, talk specifics. If you have not seen tenant, like I said earlier, if you live a dangerous lifestyle, keep going. If you want to click pause, thank you for listening up to this portion. We're going to talk specifics here. Um, Just come back and listen to the rest of the episode when you have time down the road. But so tenant for you in terms of aspects that we have not discussed up to this point from Christopher Nolan. Jason, was that your first experience with inversion?
2: I still don't know what inversion is. Thank you. I am like the explanation they give. And so going back to what I was saying about inception, this was my comparison was inception right. did it perfectly in terms of laying out what's going on and what this world means. Right. And it, I, I definitely need to see it again to understand. Right. right. And I, I saw it the other week. i the way they were describing it with the gun, with the bullet. Right, okay, the bullet's inverted, you got you're catching the bullet. Right. And then you have to act like you're dropping it, or you you have to act like you have had dropped it in order to pick it up. Right. Right. I get that. But then then it's you're inverted. Right. And that blew my mind. Right. right? I I love part of it. The oxygen aspect and the right. way like the sounds were oh that last like hour. Right fantastic
0: of course
2: um but i i don't fully understand like right. i guess the fight scene is one that makes the one that really draws out to me where the first time i get it he's he's fighting the guy in reverse right but then from john david washington's point when he is inverted was he's fighting it forward right so i'm like i don't i don't fully understand what the inversion plays
0: right i get it in some aspects but a lot I'm missing <laughs> right and, and what's kind of crazy there too is in, in terms of like the approach to the movie Inception when we watched Inception for the first time it didn't feel that too far in the future Tenet mm-hmm. I could feel like this could go on now Dunkirk different yep. situation Interstellar with <laughs> stuff we've seen could, sure, could easily yeah. be happening now it doesn't seem too far from what could actually happen but for that movie what's going on in real time what's happening in reverse what does he actually know before he goes and does something again to go back and change the outcome of something so that they can keep pushing forward and ultimately save humanity and prevent what that world war three is going to be mm-hmm. just because this person is running out of time on their own end like the kenneth Branagh character yep um who i that might have been his second time with nolan after dunkirk he had a brief role in that but he was great and he was great in in, in tenet as well he was really good But for me, you take that protagonist, no pun intended for those who have seen it, with John David Washington, and you follow him throughout this movie, and he is very much dictating the pace and his actions, and what he has to go through is dictating the pace of that movie. But then you kind of throw into the mix the people that he has to interact with to get his second chance. Cause the first, that opening like scene with like the opera, which another opening first five minutes of a movie where Christopher Nolan, you has you, you're locked in. Mm-hmm. But for me, what really kind of ha- not difficult to follow because you have to just be locked in and your the, the slate has to be blank. When you go into a movie of his is okay. Can I keep up fast enough and comprehend what's going on? So at the end of the movie, my jaw is not dropped to the floor <laughs> and I can leave and walk out like a normal person. Mm. And for this movie, I was not as shocked as other movies in, in 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 the past, but I very much thought, which is the reason why I need to go again. Is obviously that was my first experience with inversion, like you, and honestly, anyone yeah. else that exists, right? Um, but we would hope, my God. But what's important is: are things going forward? Are things going backward? Yes. But Christopher Nolan also controls the pace. And there's definitely ways when I see it a second time I might be able to catch things. But I'm also okay with if I don't, I guess.
2: Yeah. Well, and so going – so watching the movie, the first hour, I was thinking to myself, uh, this is a bust. Right. We've been pushing it. Like I don't know what's going on. Because when you start – you I think we went, what, six – five different set locations in the first hour with five different people who are supposed to be these big players that I don't know their name because they're talking so fast and then they're bringing up like uranium and then the bullets and the arms dealer and all this kind of different stuff right while also introducing inversion and I also know nothing about the main character right right so it it that first hour was very hard to follow but then as soon as that second half hit I think my jaw was on the floor the whole time
0: the last hour was definitely big cuz there was so much going on and I feel like like when I watched The Dark Knight over again when Harvey Dent gets put in the back of that thing when he turns himself in there's an hour left of that movie I'm like there's an hour left I mean I've been I need a water break you know
1: Yeah
0: and 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 for for Tenet, the last hour is crazy the last 30 minutes is freaking nuts and yeah. and I just feel like he knows what he's doing and he's controlling the tempo kind of like I don't want to compare Christopher Nolan who is a revolutionary when it comes to filmmaking to being like a DJ, but he is very much controlling the beats per minute with oh, how sure. that score goes and plays along as the foundation of that, of those films. He is very much in control the entire time. He knows what's going on and he's going to deliver it in the way that he believes has to be the final product. And he, it's, it's just, I have to and see to, it again. That's kind of where so, I'm at. Like i to gonna add to, to that
2: again. too. Like, So going off Memento where he had this basic structure of I'm going to tell this part of the story in reverse and tell this part forward, chronologically. Yes. Right. And I'm like, in my mind, that's hard to shoot. Right. And then to have Tenet where that's all happening at the same time. Right. Where you got a 10 minute raid going backwards and a 10 minute raid going forward. He had a building explode and rebuild at the same time. Right. Like all the detail that was involved, like you the car uh Robert Pattinson was driving and all these little things that the first time you're watching it or you're going through the chronological side and it's like okay, those are minor details. Right. But he put all that thought in. Right. For every little bit. Right. And you like to he would have to micromanage it. There's no other way about it because there's no slip-ups. There's no all, all the little pieces that have to play together. Right.
0: And you would think, to kind of interject there, you would think that for Christopher Nolan, who has shown time and time again that he has successfully created something that has never been done before, you would hope that he controls every aspect of it because he knows what he wants that world to be. Yep. And it's going to be, you're, you're just living in his world for that two-hour time frame, two-and-a-half-hour time frame. Yeah. And and kind of like his, his approach to what Gotham City was, like you could tell that it was like, would we be the equivalent of like new york or something like that and then you just take the 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 cities that exist in real life and our lives and uh the cities that they shot in and what they the, they film those scenes and those are very much real places but then on the other side of things he just continues to do whatever the hell he wants yeah and then and definitely and I'm there oh, every other year swiping my card
2: yeah oh i'll forever be oh, yes. indebted to him. yes I will yes. forever go. But yeah, like the whole, the fight scene, you know, going back to that really quick, that happened the first time half or like 45 minutes in the movie or the right. airplane scene. Sorry. Right. 45 minutes in the movie. And then now an hour and a half later, you're shooting the same thing from the reverse angle. The world he makes with the mind he has is something right. like was tenet One of the best movies. There was a lot of things wrong with it, of course. right? But I mean, there is so much good about it as well. And the fact that it, like you kind of said, it's an event. Christopher right. Nolan movies are an event and I'm not, I'm not looking at it at the same way as some of these dramas or other stuff like that. I'm looking at it as what is this world that Christopher Nolan's in? Cause I'm locked in for two hours. And right. as long as that's enjoyable, which the tenant a hundred percent was, I'm, I'm pretty happy with it walking out.
0: Of course. And, and I think, just like the end result is something that we're definitely happy with. And there's, if I think back on it there, it's not like there were things that upset me. It was just things of, it was a big ask on myself for a Christopher Nolan film to be the first movie that I go and I sit and I lock in for six months because of a global pandemic. But I also think that, his movies, I knew going into it. Okay. I'm probably going to see something that's never been done before. And I need to do myself to be in a, in a, in a good mindset to lock into that and see what comes out the other end. And it's the same thing as always that I've seen every Christopher Nolan film, at least twice in my life, a majority of them are films that I've seen in a theater. So mm-hmm. I, but tenant for me going back to why I love movies so much. And it's like, that's my escape from reality. Tenet is not just another movie of Christopher Nolan's that is incredible. It's a movie that is meant to be seen in a theater and that's why I have to go back and, 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 and that's my intention. And it'll be good to not only just go and not have to worry about a big crowd as well, which is something that I'll kind of try to do. And I've been trying to do the past couple of years of doing it around a time where I don't want to necessarily have a big crowd. I'll get that if I know if I go again in the next month or so, so yeah.
2: Um, and put on subtitles please
0: oh that would be if it's just me <laughs> just hold on one second i've seen the trailers before and the trailers are yeah. pretty good but um hey it's just me here in theater six slap those subtitles on it's just me you <laughs> can't do it all right i'll ask again later come on we all we
2: all love parasite we got what that oh gave us yeah we can of accept course. it now
0: of course um but for you in terms of final thoughts on tenet um anything you want to throw out there
2: yeah so i mean final thought um i wish that and i guess this wasn't the point but i wish john david washington and robert Pattinson's character had more development okay because the way it ended for both their stories i was a huge fan of okay but it's one of those things like in the first hour how confused i was if you interject some of their stuff more Like, because you're just thrown into John David Washington's world. You have no idea who he is. We really don't even know what he's doing, right? Because he's finding it out at the same time as he goes, right? And, you know, but Elizabeth Debicki, yes, she was. I mean, she was the character focus. Her was hers was the most character development. It had really the empowering scenes in terms of where she started to where she was at the end, right? And how inversion played into that. And to see, to see her side and know that it could happen with you know it could that potential could have been with Robert Pattinson and John David Washington right. that's the only thing I was kind of missing and I got to figure out what this algorithm is I yeah. I had no idea what that was about right but I, I get the I'll, I'll take that it was the end of the world kind of thing right But no idea the sub parts of it
0: and I think another thing that Christopher Nolan has done, and there's other filmmakers that do it, but it comes out to me as well as with the exception of Dunkirk because of the story that told in World War II, the thrill ride that he kind of puts us on. Christopher Nolan has also successfully done something where there's always a powerful woman character in it, mm-hmm. that the actions that she has has a massive imprint on how the film's going to unfold. And so it happened in The Dark Knight Rises. It happened in The Dark Knight. It happened in Interstellar. And it happened once again here in Tenet. Very uh, prominent in Prestige and and Memento as well. And Insomnia too with Hilary Swank. But he just, I don't know, man. It's just his approach to it. It's really something unlike any other. I got to unearth. I wrote, I'll show it to you down the road. But I wrote, I came home from the Interstellar premiere. And I wrote like this one page review of it and it was all over the place. Cause I just had to get these thoughts out of yeah. my body and right. I gotta, I gotta find it, but I, I just think for us here with live on set and, and our ongoing conversations about film, there's, there's so much i take from our conversations before our conversation today. And so many that I'll take here down the road about movies and, 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 and our experience when it comes to movie going and our conversations about movie making. And yeah. I think that when I was trying to decide who I want to have on early on here with live on set, you were very high on that list. So I appreciate that. Uh, of course. So when it comes to what's going on now, is there anything you're looking forward to here before I wrap the episode up?
2: Well, yeah. The first thing is just movies in general, again, in the theaters. Um, Cause I guess
0: going to
2: see tenant, I got to see the dune trailer. Right. I saw, um, judas and the black messiah i think it was yep yep yep. i'm like those movies and plenty more i'm so hyped about Uh oh, you know black widow all that kind of stuff i'm happy about coming back and i'm so i'm just happy to keep a lookout i don't know how the oscars are gonna be stay tuned for that other than that you know it's it's been a while since we talked movies i know 2020 has been a rough year and i haven't even seen you in the office for a bit so yeah it's good to we spend a good amount of time talking it just feels good to be a part of that universe again where, right you know all these things that meant a lot to us right we're just able to fully go into
0: right and 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 you couldn't have said it better and to kind of wrap things up here for episode four going back you did it with unhinged first you did it again with tenant I did it for tenant for the first time in roughly six months I went to Disney and walked around a little bit one day there wasn't a lot of people there I felt very safe I felt safer in a the movie theater because I was six of 150. Mm-hmm. But those two things walking around Disney again and going to a movie again, it was that one first big step back into what normality is for me. I- I'm glad that we could talk about that because I know that if we wanted to go to a, mo- a movie and there was a time that worked, we could go because we've kind of gotten through like that first four or five, six months of this, this COVID Yep. Pandemic that is affecting everyone, and, and the, ahead, the yeah. main
2: thing with that is just to giving credit to the theaters and every kind of business that's trying to reopen right now during this time. Like AMC has definitely put in work to try to make it successful or to make people be able to come to the movies, and right, you know, without all the stuff they're doing, they're coming in and spraying down all the seats afterwards. You know, you could be sitting in someone else's seat, but they're spraying it down they're giving you the wipes, you know, they, they have these regulations that they're upholding along with how you could purchase in the app, which makes me like, I could pick a seat that's far away from everyone. I get blocked off front and back and side. So I'm definitely happy about what they're doing and it's full credit to them that give us the opportunity to even see tenant when we did. Yeah.
0: So thank you for saying that. And thank you for the people that are making this happen for me and Jason and everyone else that likes to go to the movies and people don't want to go out and leave their house, their, their homes to go do things. So thank you for that. Thank you, Jason, for coming on set today. Uh, I'm sure we'll, 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 talk movies soon, but thank you everyone for listening and that's going to do it for us for live on set for episode four. Once again, my name is Austin Lee. I am the host of this podcast live on set, the weekly pop culture podcast where I'm talking film, music, sports, television with my friends, family, and people I meet along the way. Thanks again, Jason. Please check us out live on set, Apple, Spotify, where you find your podcasts. Live on set is there for you. Have a good one, guys. We will see you next week with episode five. Much love.